Would an election pact destroy the Liberal Democrats? Welcome to the Lib Dem podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Lib Dem podcast. My name is John Potter and we're hosting today's episode on an issue that's come up loads since the Tories started to drop in the polls and that is about election packs. And we've had lots of questions, there's lots of strong opinions on it and we found two people which strong opinions are never far away. We have the wonderful Lisa Smart from uh, Stockport and a parliamentary candidate for Hazel Grove. Hello, Lisa. Morning, John. And uh, never knowingly shy, we have Hannah Kitchen, the leader of the Barnsley Lib Dems. Hello, Hannah. Hello. Before we get into the the meet and drink with this, we just want to send a quick thank you to everyone who subscribes to us on YouTube, follows us on the podcast, and even those lovely people that do send us a little bit of money via Patreon. We really appreciate it because, as we mentioned, this podcast is completely done by volunteers and every penny helps us keep it going. So we really appreciate it. And if you do want to become one of our Patreon members, uh, do follow the link that's in the show notes. Right, packs, lots of stuff going on it. I suppose, Lisa... Actually, no, we're not going to talk about PACs first. I'm going to change my mind. We're going to talk a little bit about the Tory leadership election that's going on. Under the proviso, we know that it will change by this evening. So we're recording on Thursday morning. Um, so we've just had people like Hunt has just been knocked out. Uh, so there are six candidates remaining. Uh, we assume Braverman will go out today. But Lisa, what are your quickfire thoughts on the Tory leadership campaign? Quick fire thoughts is that it's pretty much wall-to-wall coverage, isn't it? You can't turn on any news outlet whatsoever without hearing the views on how much tax should be cut by these six people, one of whom is going to be our next Prime Minister. I think it's, um, yes, okay, it's a big news story, of course it is. It's slightly at the soap opera part of it, where we're only just, the nation is only just waking up to the existence of Suella Braveman in many ways, and indeed Penny Morden. I'm regretting it. (laughs) And so many people don't know who any of these people might be. So a lot of it's about name recognition in terms of the public at large, but the voters are still Tory MPs, all of whom will know all of these people to a greater or lesser extent. Um, It's a little bit Hunger Games, isn't it? In that you start every day with a number and then there's one fewer at the end of the day. Um, I don't know who we're going to end up with. It seems to be that the press operations and the uh, leaking and slating one another is really starting with vigour now. So they're going out for one another, trying to take one another down, which is part of it. So, so far, Hannah Sunak is by far away in the lead, but not doing as well as what is expected. Liz Truss has not done as well as what she expected. Penny Mordaunt has done far better. Uh, Tom Tugendhat and I forgot, got the new lady Penny. Yeah, Penny. That, yeah that's right who's kind of got Gove's nomination has kind of uh, has done a, a pretty decent campaign and getting herself noticed now whether she will actually get to the final two I doubt it but your thoughts Hannah I mean I, I think uh, I think you know regular viewers will know I, I don't I don't strain myself to watch things like wall-to-wall coverage of the of the Tory leadership <laughs> election that's uh that's not brilliant for my mental health but as Lisa says it is it is fairly inescapable and um these are not my words uh, but the phrase it's like sifting through a cat's litter tray trying to find the best lump of shit <laughs> it, uh, yeah I can't take credit for that but that that's pretty much how it feels. I think um, it really is an absolute race to the bottom. Um, 
the thing that's really been jumping out at me, and this might just be the way my Twitter follows are set up, is that there seems to be a, a real kind of bun fight on to see who can be the most vociferously enthusiastic about um, eradicating LGBTQ plus people from existence uh, and even the more moderate uh, amongst them. So Rishi and uh, Rishi Sunak and Mordant, yeah, Tom, have have in the past been kind of like fairly good on, on things like LGBT rights, trans rights in particular, have absolutely, you know, jumped right on that bandwagon. Um, and, I mean, you know, fundamentally for me, there kind of is no good outcome. I suppose you could say that people like Sunak and Mordant are pretending to be horrendous bigots just because they know that's how to win the votes at the moment, rather than actually being really deep-seated horrendous bigots. So maybe one of them would be slightly better. But for me, really, I mean, the best outcome for me, to be honest, um, is Liz Truss. And that's purely because I got a tenner on her at nine to one. So if Liz wins, I'd have 90 quid. And if any of them win, I'll, I'll have nothing. So... You know, that's that's probably my but priorities. No, I mean, <laughs> for me, other than my bet on Tom Tugendhat, which is which was twenty five to one, which was uh, which would be quite nice. Um, more, more than tenner, John. Were, were you bold? More than no, tenor, no, just a tenner. And 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 Paddy Power stopped. I've stopped me now cashing out. So maybe I should have. I had an option of tripling my money, and I didn't take it. But uh, one thing I will say, from a Lib Dem point of view, and if anyone saw Newsnight last night, their focus group, the only person that anyone recognised was Sunak. And they all didn't like him from this thing because he, from a Lib Dem point of view, and for people like Lisa getting elected in the next uh, election, my view is Sunak is an absolute gift to the Lib Dems. I think he's politically not savvy enough and he is completely tarred by Partygate, cost of living, personal scandals. I would love Sunak to be the next Prime Minister. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point, John. He's, he is, as you say, well and truly tainted, uh, isn't he? And also, you know, he comes across as quite, you know, quite smooth, but I don't think he'll be very good at it. There's a, um, one of my constituents is a, a very long-standing uh, Tory. It, not He's not a member anymore, but he was one of Margaret Thatcher's staffers well back in the day. And he's he's smart politically, like he really knows his stuff. And he said to me a year or so ago, he said, the thing is, Hannah, this goes for every single party. You cannot put the bean counter in charge of the country. It never ever works whether they're Tory, Labour, whatever, chancellors make atrocious prime ministers. Hello, John from the Lib Dem podcast here. We are delighted to say that this episode is sponsored by Prater Reigns. Now more than ever, you need a professional looking online presence and website. Prater Reigns have been helping Liberal Democrat campaigns succeed for 18 years. Their Lib Dem Foci package combines a website, social media and email system to help Lib Dems win. You'll receive great support from real people, fair pricing and a huge range of features to choose from. Prater Reigns are already the bespoke developers for Lighthouse, Lib Dem Draw Online and the LD Directory. They combine a talented system design with an unrivaled understanding of our party, our data and our systems. To find out more, check out the Prater Reigns website at praetorains.co.uk slash liberal-democrats. I think, first of all, Lisa, it's probably to describe what we mean by an election pact. We don't mean about cooperations afterwards, you know, because anyone who's involved in 
local election, the local council to know there's there's a council with all sorts of different makeups in somewhere in this country. You you cannot believe sometimes sometimes the mixes they get. This is about pre-election during the actual campaign. Yeah, it's before the campaign and during the campaign. So when we're talking about election packs, we're talking about parties taking decisions about who should be on ballot papers rather than voters deciding who from the list of people on the ballot paper they want to elect. So we're talking about things like the Unite to Remain uh, piece of work that was done in the run up to the 2019 general election. So this is where Plaid Cymru, the Green Party and the Liberal Democrats arranged to stand down in favour of one another in, in, I think it was about 80 seats across the country and well, across England and Wales, and uh, therefore not to fight against one another in those places. The idea behind it is that it makes it easier for one of those parties within the pact to win, and we'll talk about whether that's the case or not, but very much today talking about pre-election pacts, pre-election deals. Now, Hannah, uh, I, I know your thoughts on this, um, but do you want to give us, let's, let's start with your general view about whether you think they work or not. I mean, if we if we cycle back to 2019 and the and the Unite Remain campaign that Lisa that Lisa discussed, um, uh, did it work in terms of decreasing the number of Tory wins? No. Did it work in terms of getting more Liberal Democrats, more Green MPs, more Plaid Cymru MPs elected? No. Uh, obviously, Labour didn't participate in that pact and that is because labor uh have it's built into labor's constitution labor have a you know constitutional requirement that they will stand a candidate in every single seat which i am 100% on board with i wish that we had the same um did it help in terms of labor winning more mp's no no it didn't so i think we can on balance say that unite to remain was an absolutely spectacular failure of pacting. Um, you know, could we, you know, is it fair to generalise that out? You know, no, no, it perhaps isn't fair to generalise that out. But I think what that, I think what that told us, and you can certainly extrapolate some of this is, you know, voters actually don't like being told what to do. You know, voters do not move as blocks. So if I give you my, you know, my personal example, um, in Penniston Stocksbridge, which is the seat that I stood in, uh, the Green Party uh, did not stand. I mean, they'd never actually stood in that seat in its entire history. So whether that was really a stepping down or not is, is perhaps another point of discussion. But the Green Party did not stand under the Unite Remain Pact, uh, ostensibly to stand aside for me as the Liberal Democrat candidate. Um, queue uh, hundreds of furious, obnoxious emails from Green Party members telling me that I was an absolute disgrace and I should stand down for the Labour Party. Uh, well, it's hard to stand down once your name's on the ballot paper, isn't it? So that was never going to happen. The Green voters in Penniston and Stocksbridge voted Labour with, without exception uh, because they all told me about it. And despite all of that, even if you added together the Labour and the Lib Dem and the Brexit Party votes, the Conservatives still got considerably, considerably, considerably more. 
And I think there's lots to unpack from what uh, Hannah's just said there, Lisa. I think one of the, the key ones is that voters aren't stupid. And actually, they don't go in blocks and they don't go where politicians want them to go. Just like po they don't, politicians don't get to choose the issues that matter. They also don't get to choose the voters what to do either. And it's interesting when you look at um, the by-elections uh, since. I mean, and we've had several very good ones. All of, neither, None of them had election packs. All of them delivered the result we would have wanted. So what's the point, Lisa? So you're absolutely right. There haven't been any election pacts at all. And we're talking about the ones that the Liberal Democrats have won. So we're talking about Cheshire and Amersham, North Shropshire, Tiverton and Honiton, where all the parties stood, the Greens stood, Labour stood, Conservatives stood, random crazies. Rejoin um, EU stood. You know, a variety of people stood. The Liberal Democrats won. And having been to all three of those, voters were very clear, really quite quickly, who the person, who the which team they wanted to support, which candidate they wanted to support to get the outcome they wanted. And there were a number of people who said to me where I was canvassing, well, normally I'm a Green supporter, but, you know, as a protest, there's no point doing that round here. This time, we've got a real chance if we work together of getting the buggers out. And so if we all get behind your woman, your man, your candidate, we can do it. And so voters quite quickly worked that out. It's also the case in places like Batley and Spen, places like Wakefield, where we had Liberal Democrat candidates standing. These were not by-elections where we thought we would win. And so we had a campaign that reflected that. We could have thrown lots and lots of money at it, um, like huge amounts. You can spend up to £100,000 in a parliamentary by-election. We could have spent up to that. That wouldn't have been a good deployment of our limited resources. What we did was give every single person in those constituencies the option of voting for a Liberal Democrat candidate, and some people chose to use that option, and we're very grateful for it. We also, though, concentrated our efforts where it made the most sense. So in Batley and Spen, we concentrated, I think it was two wards in Batley and Spen. Um, in, basically in Clackheaton. Um, and in Wakefield, we concentrated in, in a part of the constituency where it made the most sense for us to do so. Um, voters very quickly understood how they should vote to get the result that they wanted and did that really quite easily. Yeah, and I think Batlin Spence are really interesting because can you remember, Hannah, we, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was me, you, and Tom Gordon, the candidate for Batley and Spen, the, the morning after, and poor Tom had had like half an hour's sleep or something like that. And it was very obvious that the La Labour only kept that seat because Lib Dem stood. Uh, because those moderate Tories would have gone, would have stayed Tory if it wasn't for Lib Dems on the ballot, generally. Okay, we, I did say before, <laughs> we should do generalisations, but we saw that in places where Lib Dems had had councillors, that that was definitely a thing. And so not only is it does it not help, it can sometimes be counterproductive. Yeah, so this is this is the, the thing that the progressive alliance obsessives just, just seem to completely elude them, which is that votes do not just, oh, the progressive left, the progressive parties, you know, this if and, and it's a good job that it is not the case that votes just move around the progressive left. I use that, you know, with a, a serious tongue-in-cheek there around <laughs> the progressive left parties because if they did the conservatives would just win all of the time because the conservative voters is a bigger block than that other block of vote but what actually happens is that what we in particular as liberal democrats are very good at doing 
is switching soft Tory votes or picking up soft Tory votes. And that is important um, on 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 both of those types of by-elections. So the by-elections where we have won from the Tories and also in general elections we are where we are second to the Tories, we're not just reliant on hoping that all the Labour and Green voters will vote for us because fundamentally that's not enough. You know, if all the Labour voters voting Labour was enough to beat the Tories, then Labour would have beaten them all. They haven't done that. So we can so we can switch soft Conservative votes. And I spoke to, you know, anyone that's campaigned in any of these Tory facing by-elections, a Tory facing seat will know you will speak to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of soft Tories who would say, I would never vote Labour, never vote Labour in a million years but I will vote for you lot. I will vote for you. So we can switch off to conservative votes. That's also important in the seats where um, those kind of uh, Labour Tory marginals um, where, now it doesn't always come off because as a general rule, when you've got a two party marginal, all the third parties get squeezed. And that was definitely what happened in in the Wakefield by-election. We did do some limiting campaigning in a Tory facing seat. But the Tories were were not daft and they knew that if they wanted to uh, avoid Labour retaking that seat, then they needed to vote Tory. So and the and the Labour message was very clearly it's only Labour that can beat the Conservatives here. So we got squeezed. But in Batley and Spen, where we did we did have a war was where we've had councillors, you know, for, for donkey's years. Um, people were not necessarily voting Liberal Democrat, but they were voting for Kath Pinnock, who, who is our very, very long-standing uh, councillor and amazing sort of community presence there in Clackheaton. And had those Conservatives, because they were largely soft Conservatives that voted for us in that by-election, had they voted Conservative, Labour would not have had the numbers in order to beat the Conservatives. So we 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 do it from both sides. We can switch soft Tories to allow us to win. And we can also switch soft Tories to keep that Tory vote down um, a little bit and allow the Tories to lose. So we'll talk about... To allow Labour to win there. Allow the Tories to lose, I think that's it. (laughs) We'll talk a little bit about the the big risks to the Lib Dems if we do it and how it might hurt us if we decide to do any sort of part, any which way. But let's just have a look at the data, first of all, because some people say, oh, that's just your opinion. You, Hannah and Lisa, all on the same page. Where's the Progressive Alliance bloke on your podcast? So let's just get some of the raw data out of the way, because the Progressive Alliance side will say, well, look at the second round uh, voting in some of the mayorality contests. They'll say, you know, where we've actually had a contest where you can move your vote. When you can't give your second preference, whereas Mm -hmm. the Tories have now got rid of that. Yes, exactly, exactly. But it's a really good indication of where this is at. So let's take, and there are some examples where you see strong switching from the Lib Dems to Labour, for example. So in Cambridge, 87% of Lib Dems had a second preference. Out of those 87, uh, 79%, nearly 80% of them went and voted Labour. So that is a good solid chunk. Likewise, you see ones like in Peterborough, 80% of Lib Dems, uh, had a second preference, of which 64% went to Labour. And overall, across Cambridge, East Cams, Fenland, Huntingshire, Peterborough and South Cams, 72% of second preferences for the Lib Dems went to Labour. So you think, oh, right, that's, that's obvious, that's really good. What these um, places don't say is some of the places where it didn't work as well. So we look at Humberside, Durham, Leicestershire, 
all those ones, the Lib Dems, 41, 45, and 45% of that vote went Tory in their second preference. So to, again, to say that Lib Dems on block or the vast majority will go to Labour is just not true. And in terms of and what all campaigners must realise and why it should never be a top down plan is that every single area and every single election has unique circumstances to it. Uh, And so if you and and it tends to be and I hope people well, I don't care actually if people don't like what I'm about to say, it tends to be people who don't go out campaigning, that don't go out knocking on doors, that seem to think all people must be like them. And so if they're anti-Tory, then everyone must be anti-Tory. And in fact, the world just doesn't work like that, folks. I mean, you'll get Tories that will maybe not consider voting Lib Dem, but might vote Labour because of maybe someone like our Brexit stance. If you think everyone is in your little bubble, you are destined to lose and lose very badly. Um, that's the little my little rant on the data, Lisa. Anything to disagree with there? Um, nothing to disagree with at all, John. I think there are, you're absolutely right about when you knock on doors and you hear somebody saying, well, I'm deciding between the Tories and Labour, or I'm deciding between you and UKIP, then it, it takes people out of their little Twitter bubble of, of just following and agreeing with people, um, the same group of people all the time. Not everybody fits neatly into progressive regressive buckets that some people I think would quite like them to do and taking options away from people as liberals as liberal democrats that's not what we're there for we're off we're up to giving people informed choices um, and allowing and enabling them to take those informed choices and for me um, one of the things in the by-elections that that was we've talked about by-elections being a clear-cut example of people saying I Uh, I'm decided between you and the Conservatives. And we just know that that would be made so much harder if people thought that somehow voting Lib Dem was a proxy Labour vote. So much harder for that big group of soft Conservatives. And if you look at the data and how it tracks over time, that squeeze message that we talked about. So those people who um, in a different election would vote Green, but they know the best way of stopping the Conservatives is to vote for us. That happens quite quickly. And you can see that in the data. The bit that takes the time is that soft conservative block of people, those switches. That's what takes the time. And so that's what needs the effort. And that's what needs those conversations, those doorstep conversations, phone conversations, and that a shed load of literature. Yeah. And I just want to, before I bring Hannah in on this, it, <laughs> there's two points I want to make. Firstly, was a, a camera session I did uh, last week in, in a, a patch we want to take from the Tories next year and how voters don't always fit. Lovely guy, answered the door, thick Scouse accent, and he said, and he was talking about his love for Boris Johnson. Okay, and he said, well, he left the Labour Party because Tony Blair was too right-wing, but then does support Boris Johnson and hates all these other Tory candidates that are around. Now, what box on any survey would he fit into? The fact is he doesn't. But, I, but you've got to respect the fact that not everyone has your worldview. And in the end, me and him had a, a right good chat. He might not vote Lib Dem at the ne- locals next year, but that doesn't matter because I if if I had gone with a preconceived conception that you're either like me or you're somehow evil, I would have pushed him away completely. And the point the, on campaign, it's really important because if you look at North Shropshire, you look at Tiverton and Honiton, one of the things Lib Dems did very well early on is get out the blocks early. 
So that that ward I was talking about with the, the Scouse chat is pretty much a three-way marginal now. Uh, and we know Labour, well, we think Labour's vote has peaked and there's enough Labour vote for us to try and think. But in order to convince those Labour people to come across, you've got to put out a ton of leaflets, a ton of effort to show that you are the main challengers in that seat. It's not rocket science. You've just got to get it done. And the sooner you get it done, the better. So doing a kind of ALDC hat here, get out early, do your surveys, do your recruitment, get out, win the, win your election by Christmas, and then after Christmas it becomes a lot easier. Uh, Hannah? Yeah, I think the other thing to remember as well about the um, the sort of progressive alliance uh, brigade is, I mean, don't get me wrong, I do know that there are Liberal Democrat members, there are, there are Green Party members, but they are fundamentally just a front for the Labour Party. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what they basically mean is, what we would really like is for no other parties to exist and for every single seat just to be a straight fight between us and the Conservatives. You know, that that that's that's fundamentally what they're saying. They, you know, we know that under first past the post, it plays into two party politics. Um, you know, I'm the same on Barns- on Barnsley Council. I don't like it when Conservatives win or independents win. I, I want it to be a, a clear choice between voters. You can either have Labour or you can have the Liberal Democrats. So, you know you do have to bear in mind that that is fundamentally the Progressive Alliance's agenda. They want us to not exist so that Labour and the Conservatives can have a straight fight. Now, what I think some of them are slowly starting to grasp, not all of them, but some of them, is that actually that wouldn't work. Labour cannot win a majority government under first past the post. No. Um, and, you know, I, I think that is dawning on even some of the most kind of committed, uh, you know, anti-progressiveness types within the Labour Party. Um, and, and if you look at the two recent by-elections as an example, you know, I mean, I spent a considerable amount of time in, in Tifton and Honiton. Um, and it, it was very, it was extremely clear to me, if there had been some kind of formal pact with the Labour Party, you know, whether that had involved them standing down or whether that had just been, you know, an, a, a formal Keir Starmer saying, yes, vote Liberal Democrat, you know, in order to beat the Conservatives, we would have not have won, Tipton Honiton. And, and in fact, not a chance. On the doors, I had se- I had several comments. And I, I said this on the, the reaction uh, podcast when I was in, uh, in my car on the way home, which took nine hours to get back from Devon, um, that actually I had to spend quite a bit of work with soft Tories, not convincing them that there isn't actually a pact on. Because one thing these soft Tories don't like is Keir Starmer. Yeah. And so that is, I mean, it's a conversation that um, target seat candidates such as Lisa will have to figure out what their messaging is. Uh, in terms of because it was fairly easy in a by-election to say, look, Boris Johnson's still going to be the Prime Minister next week. Okay, he wasn't the week after, but he's <laughs> Boris Johnson's still going to be the Prime Minister. You can vote Lib Dem this time and you're not going to get, Keir Starmer's not going to be Prime Minister next week. In a general election, that is a real risk for people. And again, a little bit of polling here just to show what's happening. Because a lot of people said, look at that poll lead Labour have got. Isn't it fantastic? A huge poll lead. It's going to happen. Labour majority, when actually it's not. And the key point of this is that the Labour vote or polling has stayed fairly static at around that 36, 37-ish mark. Now, the Tory vote has dropped, 
but hasn't dropped and gone to labour. This is a really important. It's dropped and gone to don't know, which is why the risk of talk of an electoral pack, as opposed to even just doing an electoral pack, is so dangerous to the Lib Dems. And at one point is that Labour has only gained 10% of its 2019 vote back from the Tories. There is a huge chunk there of voters that are disillusioned. They may not vote at all or find somewhere else to put their angst, whether that's reform or whomever else, maybe even us. And so that becomes, now I want to go on, and Hannah, you can go first dabs at this, the risk this becomes to the Lib Dems of any sort of pat, because there is no good outcome. You will piss off some block of voter either way if you decide to do some sort of formal plat. Hannah. Yeah, so, you know, fun- fundamentally, if if we don't stand, because, again, that's what the progressive are like, oh, well, Labour do have to stand because it's in their constitution, but you lot don't have to stand. That would be the progressive thing to do. Um, you know, if we had, so had there been a formal pact in Wakefield, had we not stood in Wakefield, would it have affected the result? You know, I, I think it probably wouldn't have done, to be to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, uh we, we we don't have that same you know we don't have that same base of support there. It's not a constituency where where we have councillors or a, a presence that we do within the local authority, of course. But it is but that's a different constituency. And so if we hadn't stood, uh, what would have happened is that the mm, someone give me a number. How many people voted Lib Dem in Wakefield? A few hundred. Yeah, not many. I'll, I'll let me get the details up for you. You continue. Few on but, you know, what would have meant was that those few hundred people who, who did vote Liberal Democrat would have looked at that ballot paper and gone, can't, can't vote Lib Dem. Now, what would they have done? Some of them might have voted Tory. Some of them might have voted Labour. Some of them might have voted for one of the random others. Some of them might have just thought, I don't want to, I'm not going to vote. I want to vote Liberal Democrat. And I haven't been given the opportunity. But we, we've seen this um Unfortunately, in seats where we stood down for the Greens, um, particularly in Bristol um, in 2019, and it, it, I mean it was it was devastating for the for the Lib Dem local party there, and and it's really you know it's 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 gutted them. You know, if you don't give, you can't be a national party. You can't be an, a national political force if people do not have the chance to vote for you. And when we're asking for people to vote for us in local council elections and local council by-elections and asking to trust us to run their councils, those people need to have the opportunity to vote Liberal Democrat every single time they look at a ballot paper. Um, that, That was what got me involved locally. I'd lived there for 12 years. I'd never been able to vote Lib Dem in the local elections. And I bust a gut every single year getting 21 candidates on the ballot paper in Barnsley. And some people, even within my local party, say, well, there's absolutely no point, Hannah, what's the point? We only get 38 votes in most of those wards. We do, yeah, we do. But that means I'm giving those 38 people the opportunity to vote Liberal Democrat. And, and one of them how- might become a candidate or a, an activist or something like that later exactly. on. Exactly. And how can we say we're the official opposition to Labour in Barnsley, which we are, if some people can't vote for us, you know, it's, I think it's absolutely crucial. And I, that's not a right I just hold for myself, like some people do in the Labour Party, for example. You know, I absolutely respect the right of every other party to stand. You know, this is, it is democracy. Countries where there is no democracy is because people are, you know, 
prohibited from standing for election in order to reduce opposition and competition. So, you know, even the random right-wingers, they are perfectly entitled to stand on that ballot paper. People are perfectly entitled to vote for them because that is, you know, that is democracy. And, you know, you, we came across the odd incident and obviously the Labour vote squeezed itself really to be honest it was it was it was very easy but you do come across the odd person actually I didn't find so many in Tiverton but I remember one in Shesham and Amersham knocked on the door spoke to this lad and he just went I'm Labour and I, I did my I did my squeeze and he went yeah I got one I got a Labour member I'm gonna vote Labour and I went even if that means you get a Tory MP and he went yeah I just always vote Labour and I was like fine you know fair play fair play I would be the same to be honest you know fair play but you you know you you can't deny people that democratic right and then there's an example today in Rutland County Council where a Liberal Democrat has been elected unopposed in a by-election today which is lovely so always do what ALDC tells you always stand the candidate there's a reason why as well the Tories know this message is so powerful and it's why Oliver Dowden when he was chair of the Tory party before he flounced off and um, before he suddenly had a revelation that you know things were not as they should be um he sent a letter to the Liberal Democrats and Labour saying you're having an, an, an electoral pact look I can see the number of candidates you're standing in local elections why are the Liberal Democrats not standing very many in the Northeast? Why are Labour not standing very many in the Southwest? You're doing, you're having an election, electoral pact. You need to be honest with people. And there's a reason why they do that is because they work, it works. They'll have focus grouped it. They won't just have come up with it themselves. They'll have done it in a, they'll have put it to a focus group. The focus group will have said, well, we don't like politicians deciding in smoke-filled rooms between themselves, which, um, little pen our votes should be herded into and the, the Tories wouldn't do it if it didn't work. I do wonder and some I'm sure there's some Lib Dem geek somewhere one of our listeners and hello all our lovely Lib Dem geeks how many unopposed councillors are there that were elected because I just think of in my neck of the woods obviously Preston is a kind of a, a more fluid situation with three decent parties in the wire part of my constituency which is just solidly blue virtually every time you'd say that actually it'd be the reverse is true where it would be the Labour Party why, why aren't the Lib Dems taking on the Tories more in these rural patches around Garstang or wherever else that is so it again Oliver Dowden was using it because you're right Lisa it was about messaging and it was about putting something across and to be fair it did get raised on the doors in Tiverton and Honiton so it is something we have to be wary of um just want to Hannah mentioned about Wakefield so we got 508 votes in Wakefield 1.8%. So we lost only 2.1% of our vote and Labour gained 8.1%. So again, the narrative that somehow Labour and Lib Dems together will beat all things, when it's not, actually, you. I, I mean, and the Greens had no candidate previously and had a candidate this time, so they would have taken up more votes. The fact is, there were people from the Tories who went straight to Labour. Mm-hmm. And that, and see, so again, there's no easy way of deciding where votes will go. Uh, Hannah? Interestingly, I, I was, um, I won't name any names, but I have been, I've been chatting to some reasonably big figures in uh, Yorkshire Labour over the last week or so. And, um, and they're, they're, they were disappointed with the result in Wakefield, not mm. obviously with the outcome, but they, those Red War voters who 
used to be Labour back in the day, and they've gone on that UKIP Brexit conservative journey. They're sticky. Mm. And we found exactly the same in Tiverton. The, the working class Tories in Tiverton proper were sticky. Yeah. And they they still like Boris Johnson. They don't see a massive problem with Boris Johnson. They have a very low opinion of politicians. Generally, they're the ones that are more likely to say to you, well, you know, they all you all lie. You're, you're all the same. You all break the rules. You all say things and then, you know, and then and then don't follow through on it. And I, I know that Labour have had a really tough time in in Wakefield um, switching those Tory votes back to Labour. They've done it, you know. Obviously, they've done it, um, but but then they've not found it easy. Not found it easy at all. And that's why when people use the word progressive, they mean when when it's used, people mean something, and it's very clear in their mind what it means. Not Tory, usually, is what it and means. And for lots of people, it means not Tory or Brexit mm. party or UKIP or, or that side of things. But it means everybody else. And, in, and Hannah's right. For some people, it means Labour plus all the people who really shouldn't exist and should be Labour if only they knew what was good for them. Mm. But you look at some of the people who are elected Labour politicians in, in parliaments and in councils, and you look at some of the decisions that they take and some of the rhetoric they use, and I would not describe that as progressive. I really would not. I would really not describe, I would most certainly not describe it as liberal. I mean, they exist, they have, they're a different party. I don't need them to be liberal. I, I've, you know, I'm a liberal, I've got my home, I've got my place, I've got my team. But there are liberals within the Labour Party, there are. There are liberals within the Conservative Party, there are. We'll disagree on some other stuff. But if you are a liberal and you want to get liberals elected, there really is only one way of doing that, and that's as a liberal Democrat. Hannah? And I think what segues on quite nicely from that is the real key question as to whether a party or an individual within that party is progressive or not is, are they committed to electoral reform? Oh, brilliant segue. We were just about to come on to that, Hannah. Well done. Go on, you can start us off then, Hannah. Thanks, seeing as I'm doing your job for you, John. Sorry about that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I'll send you an increased fee. Thanks. Uh, is, does that mean an extra an extra box of fudge at Christmas? That is true. That is true. Maybe even a bottle of wine. You never oh, know. That, that will do me. <laughs> so, you know, this, is, this has been really my most... Because I've been absolutely... You know, people know I fight Labour. I've been absolutely vociferous in, in my kind of opposition to, you know, to pacts and to the notion of a progressive alliance and really to the notion that the Labour Party is in any way, shape or form progressive, which is, you know, frankly, quite a hilarious notion when you deal with Northern Labour. Um, And the real underpinning point of that has been Labour do not support electoral reform. They do not support PR. And for me, you know, any kind of cooperation, and because I'm remain anti-pact but any kind of cooperation needs to be a means to an end and I think what we saw in in the cooperation last... after an election Let's yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, Abs- yeah yeah absolutely well no actually no no that's not what I mean because I think in the last two by-elections there was a real ceasing of hostilities yeah okay. so if you remember in in so no pacts everyone stands no formal pacts but you know just as we don't we didn't throw everything at Hartlepool we didn't throw everything at at Wakefield we didn't you know we um 
you know, and when High Peak and Colm Valley, which are those other like marginal seats come up, you know, we won't be throwing everything at them. But in Chesham and Amersham, the Greens were absolutely vociferous, weren't they? They were sure they were going to win. They were campaigning really hard. That Green vote was really, really hard to squeeze in Chesham and Amersham. The Labour vote went okay, but the Green vote was hard to squeeze. Then in North Shropshire, we had a bit of a rogue local party who, you know, absolutely people are entitled to campaign and people are entitled to say, if you want to vote Labour, vote Labour. These are the reasons you should vote Labour. But the Labour campaign in North Shropshire was the Liberal Democrats are lying to you. Labour came second. This seat is clearly a two horse race between Labour and the Conservatives, which clearly was nonsense. Whereas in um, in uh, in Tifton Honiton, there was a real kind of cessation of of hostile of, of hostilities. So, you know, Labour and the Greens, they both stood, they both campaigned as they are extremely entitled to do. But it was a if you would like to vote for this party, please do. The Green candidate actually in, in Devon was extremely clever because um, she was lovely. And and when whenever she got the mic, so at a hustings or for a, a bit of press, she didn't talk about green issues. What she said was, what is absolutely key to this country is electoral reform. Mm. And what she didn't say was, I really want you to vote Liberal Democrats so that in the future you can vote green and it counts. But that was what, but that was what she was saying. So there was a real kind of like cessation of hostilities. And that is absolutely fine. And it meant that we got, you know, I, you know, everyone knows that I don't ever cheer Labour winning, but the Tories lost. The Tories lost two seats on that night. They lost one to us and one to Labour. And that is, a, that is a good thing with the state of this Conservative government. But what needs to be the next step for me, all of that is useless if the outcome, if we get a general election where either Labour win a majority, they won't, or Labour don't win a majority, but with some co- sort of confidence and supply agreement, no coalitions, please, let's not even start that conversation. If we go into coalition with the Labour Party, it will kill us, just like it did with the Conservatives with an absolute red line on electoral reform, proportional representation, no referendums, please. You know, that Otherwise, all this kind of, you know, talk of pacts, being nice to each other, not barging into each other's marginal wards to try and undo their squeeze. Lisa, for your sake, I hope they don't do that in Hazel Grove this time. Again. So, but this, that will all come to nothing if we don't come out of it with electoral reform, that is the bottom line. And I am seeing, a, I am genuinely seeing a shift yeah. in figures in the Northern Labour Party who have previously been dead against that. It is, it is coming. And, and do you know what? And I like credit to them for that. Credit to them for that because it's taken them a while and, you know, they're getting there. I think they realise that what Labour's got to realise, and we were talking, just rowing back slightly when we're talking about progressive alliance stuff, is actually we haven't even talked about Scotland. And if we talk about, you know, when people talk about the progressive alliance, they do include Plaid and they include the SNP. And you only have to listen to what Alex Cole Hamilton in an episode a couple of 
weeks ago said, you know, there are many things that we fundamentally disagree with the SNP on. So saying that somehow we are all in some one cosy pot is just doesn't match reality. Um, now, Lisa said on her interview we had with her about um, our next MPs was a, a red line. And her default was PR because it changes everything. And I think that's that's my sort of if you want better politics, more funding for you, whether it's the NHS, the armed forces, for police, for local councils, whatever, if you just want a better standard of politician, then PR delivers that. And, and I completely agree with Hannah. I think we've had so much Tory control, you know, basically for 75 years out of the last hundred, we have had Tories in control of this country. And at some point, the lay and Blair. I, I wonder now if in the in the back of Blair's mind he thinks, did I screw this up? Because obviously there was a lot of chat. Probably not. You know, he probably doesn't care at all. But there was a lot of chat running up to that '97 election about him and Paddy Ashdown getting PR, changing the voting system. Now I want to read something out to you both, and I want to get your views. Now I don't like. Uh, quoting this uh, particular woman because I, generally I think she talks rubbish. Um, but this is Naomi Smith, who put on Twitter just yesterday, or no, sorry, what day is it? Say two days ago, big upon, is if you are pro PR but against Progressive Alliance, then you are not pro PR. First, because you won't get PR without a progressive alliance. But secondly, and most importantly, plural systems require parties to work together. Now, I would like to get your answer. My answer to that is she's completely missed the point. Uh, PR is what you get after you, you've you got the parliament that may be able to change it. And, and I completely agree. We get PR, pluralistic politics becomes a lot more the norm. I completely understand that. But a progressive alliance won't lead to it because a progressive alliance won't work for all the reasons we have just discussed. Lisa? Wait, so... Typically, the, the phrase progressive alliance is used to mean a pre-electoral pact yeah. between Labour, the Liberal Democrats, Clyde, Green, whoever. Um, what it doesn't mean is elected politicians working together to deliver things that they agree upon. Hmm. So in Stockport, we've got two Tory-facing, Tory-Lib Dem marginal parliamentary seats. But at the council level, the Liberal Democrats now run Stockport Council, but until May, it was Labour who were running. So the two largest parties on Stockport Council are La uh, Labour and the Liberal Democrats. So we're both Labour-facing and Tory-facing. We disagree with Stockport Labour on huge amounts of stuff, rightly, and we give people uh, different perspectives to vote for and to support. When we do agree, though, we're happy to work together. So I have... Um, I think seconded a Labour motion that was on, that was a very sensible thing on LGBT rights. Um, their lead person on LGBT issues has seconded something I've proposed. And where we can agree on things and where we have those shared values after election, working together makes complete sense. That is not a progressive alliance. That's not what we're talking about when we say progressive alliance. So when we're talking about getting a parliament elected at the next general election who will deliver PR, which I really hope will happen. Labour Party conference, I think, in the autumn will have another go at getting PR over the line. Because it was clear last time the membership wanted it or the voting membership at conference wanted it at Labour Party conference, the unions didn't have enough of a position. Some of the unions have moved since then. And so it might get to be official Labour Party 
policy, that doesn't mean it'll end up in their next general election manifesto, but they, they get, they're edging closer. And so I'm interested in what Hannah's saying about some of the Northern Labour figures um, she's been speaking to recently. That's not the same thing. Having a shared agreement about how to make politics less terrible isn't the same as saying it's a progressive alliance. We're talking about something completely different. Anna. I mean, first of all, when we're talking about Naomi Smith and Best for Britain, I refer you back to my earlier comment about most progressive alliance advocates merely being Labour shills. Uh, so <laughs> I think I think that one still stands. I, I, to be honest, I don't know where Naomi Smith has been for the last month. I, I don't know where, she, I mean, I do know she's been on Twitter. She certainly, you know, she certainly hasn't been out on the doorsteps, uh, you know, in, in places like Tiverton and Honiton. It's the outcome of those two by-elections was the right outcome. You know, I I don't always think this, but I am I have just about now come around to the belief that a Labour government would be better than this lot that we've got at the moment. That is not my standard operating mode, because if it was, I would be a Labour Party member and I'd be the leader of Barnsley Council or an MP or something like that. But I, you know, that is where we are, are at now. This, this is the worst Conservative government in anyone's memory. And I'm talking about the memories of some serious, true blue, died in the wool, lifelong Devon Conservatives. You know, Johnson and his cabinet are, are not Conservatives. They are liars, charlatans and chancers. And the list of replacements for Boris Johnson offer no promise that that is going to get better at all. So do I want the Conservatives out at the next election? Yes, I absolutely 100% do. Do I think a progressive alliance is the way to achieve that? No, Naomi, like go and knock on some doors for once. And I don't mean go out with the Labour Party and knock on Labour supporters doors, which is what you normally do. You know, Go and knock on some doors. We can do this. Voters are not stupid. You know, voters are, they, I mean. If you, I'll tell you what, really good just to come in here. And that really great uh, decide, well, not decide, indication of where voters are. And, you know, the whole idea of saying don't assume voters are disengaged with it. Is actually, I listen to the Times Red Box podcast quite a lot. And I will recommend that to everyone. Every month they do a focus group. Mm. And a focus group isn't uh, isn't uh, isn't a poll. It's only maybe twelve people or so, but they take them around various areas of the country, and they understand the nuance of it. And it's really good. So I really recommend going back and listening to some of those ones, particularly they and they showed the trend of where Boris was at, where Keir Starmer's at, and all the things that we kind of all that now has come true is actually being reflected in real life conversations with real people. Um, I, I I spoke to a chap on eve of poll in um in Honiton, and uh, we we were so on top of what we were doing because we'd had so many thousands of volunteers. I was I was knocking a no data list, um, because we were just kind of we were just really you know just really really test really testing stuff. So I was knocking a no data list. Um, uh, no, we don't we didn't have general election market, so this was an all on register no data list okay so as you would imagine i was getting vast numbers of people who were just like don't vote mate not interested never voted in my life loads of those that's absolutely you know absolutely fine that's what you expect i knocked on one chap and i said you know um it's the by-election tomorrow you're planning on vote and he kind of went might 
I said, do you, need, do you usually vote? How, how do you usually vote? I haven't voted for years, love. I don't usually bother. I said, okay, but you are planning on voting tomorrow. And he was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. think so. And I waved in my flyer and he said, are you going to vote for this man? And he went, mm-hmm, think I might. Now, that is someone who is not pol- particularly politically engaged. I mean, he's not particularly wedded to, a, to an ideology. Had we knocked a general election or a local election marked register list, that, that man wouldn't have had, you know, if we'd run a really targeted campaign, he wouldn't have got a leaflet. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have got anything. But he was savvy enough to know that for probably the first time in his entire life, his vote could make a difference. Yeah. Because if he'd voted Conservative all his life living there, wouldn't have changed the outcome at all. If he'd voted Labour, whatever. He knew that this election, for the first time in his life, he could make a difference. So, you know, what I would say to, to the likes of Naomi Smith is, Stop underestimating voters, you know, stop, stop treating them like idiots, you know, like if you don't want a toddler to go bonkers, you just give them, you know, do you want a banana or an apple? (laughs) Do you want a banana or an apple today? There are no other fruits, you know, that, that is not, that is not what voters are. You can give them a decent array, array of choice. And if, you know, your campaigns are right, your messaging is right they will come to the right conclusion. And the conclusion that voters up and down the country are coming to at the moment is, these Tories need to go. These Tories need but, to go. But, you know? how, but how many of those people, and I, I may, I've made this point several times, a lot of these Tories who have voted Tory an awful long time, and we'll see what happens. So I'm out canvassing tomorrow in one of our Tory Lib Dem ward, marginal wards. Uh, and I'm interested to see how the leadership elections kind of change that, because it was really palpable in the local elections that the Tories had completely annoyed their base uh, um, because of the antics of what was going on. But go, what you need to Lib Dems out there is go out and knock on doors. You need to test the temperature in your own patch. And also the best way of either keeping your seat, which I'm hoping to do next year, or winning a seat, which we're hoping to do in other places in Preston next year, is actually starting early and talking to people. Do the stuff that works. And then all the noise from people on Twitter that don't knock, haven't knocked on a door in their life means nothing compared to one conversation with you on the door. That's what that's what will get you electoral success because there'll be some people listening to this who go who don't campaign who expect the pieces to fall as their mind thinks they should. But the fact is, things don't just happen; they have to be won. And Lib Dems, if the Tory is going to lose that next election, we have to play our part in removing Tory MPs, whether that's William Rag in Hazel Grove or wherever else they need to be. It is down to us to do that, and I will be spending my time in Hazel Grove and Cheadle, helping get two brilliant Lib Dems elected. That's what we need to do. That's where we can play our part. Don't worry about packs. Concentrate on the stuff you can control, and that's what you are doing. So, and with that, I think we're just about done. Last word from you, Lisa. Well, it, it's a shock conclusion from the Lib Dem pod to conclude that knocking on more doors might be the right, right thing for people to do. Uh, we've never concluded that before, John. I can't imagine no. how we've got to this. Revelation. Point, this revelation. Yeah. This revelation. Uh, I, think, I think Hannah's point about treating people like grown-ups, I think, is absolutely the right one. I think you, we as Liberals want people to make informed choices, and so give them the information that, that we think they need to make those choices, and then you let people you empower people to make those choices and i think sometimes they'll get the right answers 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Hannah, for that. Uh, we will get this out as soon as possible because we understand the, the leadership bait we talked about will change this evening. But we want to thank everyone who subscribed to us and do subscribe to us on YouTube. It's the best way of never missing an episode. Or if you just listen to us as a podcast, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back with loads more episodes. Probably next week we will talk about the final two of the Tory contest because that looks it's going, like it's going to get wrapped up. Hannah might not come on that one because uh, you know she might have to gag between the choice of Sunak and or Truss because let's face it, that's pretty horrendous. Um, but thank you everyone so much for listening. Thank you Hannah and Lisa again. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thank you very much. <laughs>